All right, welcome everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Kuden Radio, the podcast for us, right? <laughs> Serious martial artists, self-defense practitioners, and those of us who, um, you know, want to get the best out of things, but are really attracted to, to um, martial arts philosophy, that kind of thing. Want to learn stuff that has been working for a long, long time, right? Anyway, so... Um, James and I were in a conversation the other day, and this kind of sprang out of that a little bit. Um, we talk a lot, don't we? Anyway, so <laughs> deep level conversations. Anyway, so no, we were uh, we were at the dojo Sunday morning. Is it yesterday? Yeah, Sunday morning, and um, we were there to shoot the videos for uh, this new Realm of the Warrior Tactician program. Uh, it's the relaunch of our Module Two out of the full program, and. Um, just got to discussing things and, you know, where things go and, and why and, and those kind of things. And, and anyway, so the thing kind of popped up and then, um, very often my teachers or one of my teachers, uh, voices will echo in my head, right? I'm sure this happens to you. You remember somebody telling you something, uh, or teaching you something, a lesson, uh, and, um, you know, it seemed kind of simple, uh, I don't know, may have just been nostalgic or whatever and sometimes it just kind of fits the bill right it's like the answer to uh what's going on so anyway one of the japanese master teachers that i trained with a long a lot uh over the years in japan uh samu shiraishi or shiraishi samu in the way the japanese would uh, put out the names um shirai sensei uh big proponent of paying attention to balance and and those kind of things and i i think one of the most underestimated and I think that goes for the way the other uh shihan daishihan and now soke i uh, thought of him as well teachers um but one of the things he uh, one of the most common phrases that he used and i'm sure you guys have heard me say this right good action do good situation make right and the whole idea and again that's japanese syntax using english language vocabulary but the whole idea is uh, and, and it points to everything from karma to, uh, you know, you, focusing on the details, right? And understanding the strategic why, right, of of uh, of the doing, so to speak, right? So uh, everybody saw the title of this, and if not, then you signed in late, and I don't know, you'll get the gist of it as you go, right? But... Um, that's that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about two mindsets that are actually a part of the overall process of development and moving toward mastery and all that, but how we can get stuck, right? Um, and of course, we're going to be talking about training, but are we just talking about self-defense training? Anyway, we'll get to that and more when we get started. So the big question is this. How are self-defense and success-minded people like us, concerned citizens worried about protecting ourselves, our loved ones, and the things we care about from the monsters we know exist in the world? How do we train in a way that gives us the skills, knowledge, and understanding we need without becoming paranoid fighters or killers ourselves, and yet still allows us to be the hero protector the world needs us to be? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Jeffrey Miller, and welcome to Kuden Radio, real training for real people in a real world. 
All right, here we go. As I say at the amusement park, after you sit down on the ride, please hold on to the bar. Uh, or not, right? James, is the sound coming across okay? James is hidden in the background there. Fantastic. All right, so uh, welcome to another week. This is episode 187, for those of you keeping count, you OCD people. Um, no, I'm keeping count as well because that means we're 13 episodes away from 200. Jeez, how far would we be ahead if I didn't take that year and a half off, James? Uh, let's see, 52 plus 26. Yeah, well, you know, almost a hundred more, not quite. Anyway, uh, so how is everybody, right? Who do we have on? I see there's some folks coming and going and all that wonderful stuff. James, who do we have on? Uh, so far, Dave Fletch has said howdy and Jeffrey Fletcher said good evening. Hey, all right, guys. Jeffrey, long time no see. No, Jeffrey was just in the in the uh, virtual Q&A class that was going on at the dojo, because he's in that uh, realms of, or realm of the warrior tactician. Um, Dave, I'm assuming you were working, so uh, we'll have the recording out to you as quickly as possible. Just need to get it processed and uploaded to the server, and James will get it attached where it needs to go over in the member dashboard. And as I told Jeffrey earlier, running a little bit behind on getting the first uh, video lessons edited, but they'll be up uh, and able or well they'll be up to the server from me uh, a little bit after the podcast is over and then um, whatever time it takes for James to get those things attached to the to the page but um, James you send out a, a confirmation email once the stuff's ready right you send out something like that <clears throat> thought usually yes usually all right well maybe he won't do it this time then right, we'll keep you all guessing so <laughs> anyway all right so we've got Jeffrey we've got Dave Fletcher, we've got uh, well, you and me. We're here. Fantastic, right? Well, numbers are picking up. So, anyway, all right. So, um, uh, again, uh, during this one, I want to take a look at this idea of the difference between doing and knowing why, right? So, I'm going to start off with a little story here um, because in the little write-up I had for it, right? We talked about uh, lessons that were also often confusing. Sometimes they were frustrating. Sometimes they were a punch in the gut. Uh, sometimes literally, right? Because um, I had teachers that if I dropped my guard um, and I didn't have things where they were supposed to be because I didn't know that, like, you know, I was supposed to be paying attention to that thing, right? Um, I got hit. <laughs> so <laughs> lessons come in all shapes and sizes right james so anyway um was at a seminar a long long time ago right and um at that point i was officially under stephen hayes but uh, as i was just explaining to somebody that i was talking to earlier uh, about training <clears throat> that um uh primarily trained I was I was under him as far as rank goes and things like that. I was officially his student, but I trained with him. I trained with uh, Shidoshi Bud Malmstrom, and I trained with uh, Jack Hoban um, to a lesser extent. But uh, you know, Jack and I had a good bond. He used to refer students to me, and um, I don't know, thought I had some kind of merit. Anyway, so um, I was I was at this training, and I remember like avoiding a punch and stepping back. I have no idea what technique we were, we were doing. All I remember the snapshot that is forever and in, burned into my brain is incoming punch, shift back into Ichimonji, Sagan, whatever, uh, Kata de Hicho, uh, whatever, right? But it was Ichimonji 
just a general kind of thing, not the Gyoko Ryu version. Um, and like I step back and right there, Shidoshi Monstrum, right? Looking at me. And I just froze. Waiting for whatever the critique was going to be. And he said, what the hell are you doing with your backhand? Why is it there? Well, I find out later, well, in a couple of minutes, right? It's, it's, it's where it's supposed to be, right? But there it is, right? Why is it supposed to, or why is it there? And I started to answer, and he must have seen the gears turning in my eyes or in my brain, through my eyes or whatever. And he said, I swear to God, if you say, because that's where it's supposed to go, or that's the official place, or because that's where it goes in this kamai, I'm going to punch you right in the face. And then I was stuck, right? Because that's what I was going to say. Is it in the wrong place? No, it's not the wrong place. Well, now I'm even more confused. Why the hell are you asking me why my hand is there if it's supposed to be there? And... Of course, I didn't say that because I didn't want to get punched in the face, right? So I just avoided a punch. And so he said, why is your hand there? And I said, well, isn't it supposed to be there? And he says, yeah, but why is it there? I don't understand the question. Then if you don't know why it's there, you don't know why it's supposed to be there, then stop doing it. Because if you don't know why it's there, then you can't use it. For anything, right? Lesson learned. Go figure out why that's there. Okay. And this is a, this is one of a long string of, you know, um, I thought the teacher was supposed to be teaching the lessons, showing stuff. I'm learning them and then whatever, right? I got it. Right? They're going to go asking me questions, testing, right? Why is that there? Why all those kind of things, right? And so what I've come to find is that this is a really important question, right? Not just in the martial arts. Hatsumi Sensei's done that a lot over the years, right? He'll be talking about something self-defense-wise, combat-wise, or whatever, and then he'll stop and he'll say, it's an important lesson, not just for Budo, for life. And there's everybody in the room nodding like they're chewing on the oats they just took a bite of out of their oat bag right and um that's you know for life Hmm. interesting right so but what i've come to find is that the whys get discovered in a couple of different ways right they can be discovered because your teacher literally told you Right. There's the omote, right? The obvious, the frontal kind of thing, which is what especially we here in the West and even more so in Japan. Right. Um, one of the things that uh, people are always surprised to hear is that even though the Japanese are very like Japanese oriented and, uh, you know, this was this art was destined to be passed on to other Japanese because it's the Japanese thing, right? Um, they're often surprised to find out that 
Hatsumi Sensei, and they would never admit to this, right? I mean, not openly, right? So, but Hatsumi Sensei and a lot of the master teachers really, really liked having Gaijin students, Western students, right? As much of a pain in the ass as we can be, okay? Um, now, very often, they didn't like them, but in this respect, they did appreciate them because a Japanese student has been taught and trained from earliest age. Don't question your teacher. If a teacher teaches you something or if a teacher tells you to do something, you do it, right? So very often, right, we have to recognize that the, the Japanese daishihan, the senior teachers, the ones that really gravitated to and stayed with the Bujinkan for the most part, right, are atypical when it comes to Japanese mindset. Now, it doesn't mean that in their everyday life, they don't do the Japanese thing, right? Unspoken caste system, whole deal. But Bujinkan training gives them the opportunity to be critical thinkers, to really, you know, do that thing, be, I don't know, for lack of a better phrase, be more Western, right? But for the, for the most part, most Japanese students just do what they're told because that's your duty. That's, that's your job. Okay. Now, there's a lot of instances where Western students need to learn that at, at least at a certain point. We'll, we'll talk about that in a bit. But the reason they liked Western students because Western students wanted to know the why. Western students ask questions. Right. Japanese students. You don't ask students. You don't ask questions. The teacher will ask you the question and then you spit out the right answer. OK. It, so is it never OK to ask? No, it's not. It's not never OK to ask the question. But like the question why. is not a good idea. Okay? Not there. Um, and again, this is a general statement. Please don't take this as a universal kind of thing. It's a general statement. And again, based on my experience and my discussions with other people who um, are Occidental living in uh, in Japan or have lived in Japan or whatever, married to a Japanese person. So. Um, so they like that aspect. But again, we'll talk about this in a bit and how that aspect can get in the way, right, uh, at certain stages of our training for us. But there's this idea of, right, why are you doing that thing, okay? Um, for any of the, you know, who, what, when, why, how, how much, whatever kind of questions, right, investigatory questions, these are really important things, right? Um, in the Ninja Mind, Sanjushi Stobon, uh, first seven steps, uh, uh, courses and whatnot. We talk about this stuff a lot. Now that's more life related and reflects in the martial arts as opposed to when we're on the dojo floor talking about, uh, budo and then how that reflects in certain aspects of everyday life, right? But, um, there, there are these, 
so th- this is the this is the omelette, right? This is the obvious, the frontal kind of thing, right? The teacher tells you the why, unless they're lying to you, okay? Or unless they don't know, okay? or they're making shit up, or whatever. So again, I, I can't speak for anybody else, but uh, a good teacher will lie to you occasionally as well, which in and of itself pisses a lot of students off. But how else do you create critical thinkers and people who are actually observing? And thinking about things, um, if you don't. Hatsumi Sensei uh, has done this over the years. He'll, uh, a lot of you who've been in Japan or you've seen the videos that are on YouTube or whatever, um, you know, you'll see where Hatsumi Sensei will call people out to demonstrate a technique and then, you know, then the, he or, uh, the other master teachers, if it's done in their classes, will, do several minutes or half a class based on that model, right? Or not very long at all, right? Because I've I've uh, gotten used to somebody comes out, demonstrates something, and then you know you're working on that that technique. You're working on variations and points and things like that for 20, 30, 45 minutes, right? Um, and then other times somebody will come out, demonstrate something. You'll get like. 30 seconds to three minutes to work on it. And next thing you know, somebody else is being called out to demonstrate something else. Right. And over the years, Hatsumi Sensei has pointed out, he's done this in many different ways. Right. But he's pointed out that advanced students should be able to look at someone's movement. They should be, and not just in, not just in our art, right. Any combat technique. And, See either one, the validity of it, even if it's rough around the edges or needs some work, right? You know how to fix it, but as a premise, as a, as a, as a model, yeah, not, not bad, right? That, that's, that's usable, right? That's how we look at other martial arts and stuff and grab things and go, ah, okay, that's because you're looking at the principles and concepts, right? You're looking at, at the science behind it and, ah, okay, so, Here's how we would do it. When I say we, here's the Gyoko Koto Kuki Shinden Tagagi Yoshin Shinden hybrid kind of, right? Here's, here's how we would, we would do that, right? Um, and sometimes it's not very far off from that other quote unquote martial art, but we're not comparing styles either. <clears throat> so, but one, you can see, you can see that. Or two, you can see that that technique would get you killed don't do that, right? That you don't, that, that is a negative role model. Okay. And, um, of course, as Japanese, right? They would never point this out publicly, right? Because the student would lose face and whatever. But he's done this in classes right after somebody's demonstrated something and the person themselves standing there just nodding and smiling like yes you should be able to see that yes that's all you can see that right dude he was just talking about your technique okay um but that's a skill set right being able to look at something and recognize that it is either one strategically tactically right technique wise it's sound right even if it's imperfect at the moment it needs to be fixed right or it's rough around the edges, or you can look at it and go, Mm-mm, not doing that. 
Not doing that. That's a surefire way of getting your ass kicked or getting killed. Not doing that. Okay. It's kind of like a story. Um, I just heard, if you guys know who Andrew Tate is, um, he's like this role model for young guys. And uh, I agree with some of the things he says, other things, other times I just think he's a, you know, braggart or whatever, but it, it's fine. Right. He's got more money than I do. He can do whatever the hell he wants. Right. But he was talking about uh, being in, I think it was England, but it could have been somewhere else. Um, and he was in a, they call it a chicken and chips shop, very much like a fish and chip shop, right? We would call it KFC or Popeye's or whatever, right? Where you're getting fried chicken and French fries, right? And he and his girlfriend are standing in line, long line, long lines, late at night, long line. And this big old freaking souped up car pulls up and these big guys, like three of them, jump out, come in the door, walk all the way to the head of the line and start, you know, yelling out their order. And the, his girlfriend goes, honey, are you going to do something that they just, they just jumped the line. And he says, looks at her, he says, shut the fuck up. Right. But, but, but it's not fair. We've been wait. Shut up. Right. And, um, next thing you know, the, the guy in front of him in line, his girl, speaks up, right? And this guy turns around and he goes, I don't give a shit about no line, right? I don't give a shit about you, okay? Get my stuff. And she just kept going, right? And next thing you know, she gets cold cocked and laid out on the floor, like unconscious. Boyfriend looks down at her, looks back up, bam! He's now down on the floor. Okay? The guy did it, turns back, completes his order. Andrew Tate said, I looked at my girlfriend and I said, see, some guys, some people, they, no, they're, they're looking to kill somebody today and they don't care about consequences, right? So we could be learning techniques, okay? And we're going to talk about some of these whys, but not only why would you use it, but when, most people tend to think about the physical realm, right? This will work between parked cars. And I talk about these realms as well, but there's more realms, okay? I mentioned something the other night in class. Was it the other night in class or when was it, James? Was it maybe the Friday virtual class or something Victor was in? And um, uh, I made a comment during class about you're operating in a 10-dimensional realm, okay? Most people stop at three, right? You're operating in a 10-dimensional realm. According to our Mikiel training and based on my understanding of things, and there may be more than that, but you're operating in this 10 dimensional, 10 directional dimensional bubble, right? This realm. And um, so, but again, most people focus on the technique. Some people will focus on the context of the technique uh, based on attacker type or logic or the outcome you're looking for, or I'm between two parked cars or I'm whatever. Right. Okay. What about the when, as in, when are you in a situation where nin, patience, endurance, shut the fuck up, should rule the day? Right. We had a we had a, um, a saying when I was a cop many many moons ago that uh, everybody has the right to remain silent. But there's a lot of people who lack the capacity 
They're just not able to not talk, right? Go look at all the comments online. Just not able to talk. Or they're not able to not say something, do something, or whatever, right? Somehow their ego is going to be wounded. Somehow they're, they're, people, they're worried that other people are going to look at them badly. Somehow they're going to feel like they were a failure in that moment. I mean, these are all ego things, but um, those are also wise, right? Why do you do what you do, right? Okay? Think about this, all right? I'm going to cross over from, from fighting for the moment, right? Um, Self-exploration, personal development, it's all about figuring out you, pulling ego away from trying to figure out or make assumptions of or whatever everybody else and figuring you out, right? Why are your hot buttons what they are? And I don't mean just one layer deep. My mom and daddy were shitty and they didn't treat me well and I didn't get the love I needed. Okay, Great. So, how old are you now? Are you still worried about, or are you still operating based on not getting love and validation from mommy and daddy? Have you had other relationships? And uh, Perhaps we need to now start asking, why did I choose that person? Why did I choose that group of people who were practically the same, but they all look different, right? Um, why, do I, why do I work in the same types of places? Okay. Why do I make certain assumptions about myself? Right. These are all very, very important things. Okay. Um, do you have to know them? No, you can keep bouncing around, keep doing what you're doing. Okay. But you know what they say, keep doing what you're doing. You keep getting the results, keep getting the same results. Okay. At a certain point, you need to look at the person in the mirror and not at all the other things that we're assuming are the cause of, right? Because ultimately, we're the ones making the decisions, right? We're the ones um, making the choices, choosing X road versus F alley or whatever, right? So, uh, but anyway, let's back, 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 Jeff, drive back, right? So, <laughs> right? So the obvious one is your teacher is going to give you the lessons, right? The not so obvious ones include things like experience, right? Use things a couple of times or make a couple of mistakes or, you know, your teacher could also extend that or your seniors if you drop a guard that you didn't realize was a guard. Oh, I just thought you put it there. And, you know, I use the words, why is that arm there? Well, so I could block something that comes in. Okay. So what condition do your muscles have to be in? And I don't mean you lifted weights and you did push-ups and whatever, but what degree of tension to relaxation does your, do your muscles have to be in so that the flinch response that will occur when that punch comes in, it breaks through the lead, right, and gets that rear hand, that it will actually be strong, not collapse, not fold, or not be so tense that it can only move so far and it doesn't do anything to stop that. Or it stops that, but it's now so overcharged that it can't stop the next thing. Right? It's just covering uh, what we covered tonight in class, James. We covered um, full stepping and shuffling footwork in just Ichimonji, Sagan, right? 
And so we were working with this footwork kind of thing. And um, I, I brought people back to a, a combination, right, where it was a jab, jab, lunge, lunge, four-punch combination. And they were working this shuffle, shuffle, step, step kind of thing um, so they could understand how range has a factor in what the bad guy is going to do. But the big thing for people, and, and I could see it in some of their eyes, up to that point in their training, they're so used to doing the classical stuff or always positioning at that long range, which is optimal, right? But forcing him to throw this long range punch or whatever. But what if he's taller, right? I like working with James a lot because James is way taller than me, okay? Which means his reach is way farther than mine. So if my angling and positioning and whatnot are not right, not only, I, I may be missed by that first punch, but what about the second one, right? If he can just hit me, right? and again, punches are, right? The time the time it takes for it to start moving to the time it hits its target, the average punch crosses that, that divide in 200 milliseconds, which is just under a quarter of a second. It's pretty fucking nasty, okay? But people train like they're going to have, you know, it's always going to be soft training speed or whatever. Right. But the reason for the combination that we did that was a jab jab before these long range punches was also so students could recognize that unlike a lot of the kata or examples that they train with. This guy, just because he missed with a given punch or a given fist doesn't mean he won't try to hit you with the same hand again. Right. So you get these little experiential kind of things like shit. Right. So why is this there? Why? Why do we say relaxed energy or why do we say relax? But we really mean minimal energy necessary to accomplish the move with proper support, structure and strength. And not dead energy, too little that has to be geared up, or too much tension. Why do we just say relax, especially early on in the training? And there's a problem with that as well, right? A lot of instructors teach their students like most parents teach their kids. I'll explain what I mean in a minute. I need to close my office door because my wife just got home, and I need to make sure the dog can get out. And we're back. All right. So here's what I mean. There's no slight to parents or whatever. I had to learn this freaking lesson, too. It was a huge why. Right. Parents will teach their children lessons at a very young age. OK. Um, and maybe it's because they didn't get the full on lesson or they haven't thought it through or in, in the Tibetan wheel of life. There's this there's this. Uh, 12-fold chain of dependent origination, and the first one is typically a picture. Sometimes it's a picture of just a blind person wandering around, right? Um, but in the one I have, the iconography is an old blind person that has a rope around their waist, and it then leads back to a young person who's blind, who's holding onto the leash. So what's the lesson? The blind leading the blind, right? Which is the iconography for ignorance, okay? So it's not just me being ignorant. Right. And not knowing any better. This is not about stupidity. This is not knowing any better. OK. This is. 
uh, not questioning lessons I've learned, but also not questioning the lesson that I'm getting from the person ahead of me who's teaching me the lesson. Did they question it? Have they validated it? Right? Is this, is this born of education, knowledge, intellect, whatever, right? Getting the lesson and experience. Or is it one or the other? Or is it something they made up as an assumption and it's worked more often than not in the limited experiences they've had to use it? And so that now they're passing it on as a, as a universal truth, right? And how far back does that go? Right. That that rope is symbolic. Everything in iconography and Mikio is symbolic. There's nothing in there that's just a decoration. Nothing. Every color means something, every shape, every every symbol, everything, everything. No thing doesn't matter. Right. So. Um, but th- anyway, there's this experience. Right. So um, I've been in certain things and that taught me. Right. That. Inside that bubble, you better be doing these things. Hatsumi Sensei, right? Uh, a lot of you know he had me write an article a long time ago. James, we should try to find that. Um, I know it was on ezinearticles.com, and what we were worried about has finally taken place, right? That, that site is now defunct. So we were smart enough a while ago to get all my articles off that directory site. And so... Um, we can find that. We can uh, whip that up and or modify it and turn it into a blog post um, and get that out for everybody. But uh, there was a class that Hatsumi Sensei was running in Japan, and um, he was trying to make a point to people about experience. Like, don't forget the experience side of things. Okay, a lot of people are running around gloating about how many kata they know or how many techniques they know or how many details about this lineage versus that lineage or whatever, right? Don't discount experience, right? Um, and then he he just put out a general question, right? How many people in the room have actual real-world fight experience, right? Um, and a couple of hands went up in that one. Mine, there were... One or two guys that were off to my right, uh, they were much younger than me, but they were Air Force security police. So similar, but not quite um, same experience that I had. And then there was a guy that was standing directly across from me, right next to Hatsumi Sensei, who um, had worked as a bouncer and all kinds of things in life. Hatsumi Sensei had pointed, pointed out to him or, or had referenced him. And he went around the room and had each of us give a story that we remembered and, you know, or an example, right? And, um, when it was all done, he asked me if I would write mine up, if I would, if I would write an article about that because, um, people needed to understand that. And, um, the point he was making to everybody is you may know all this stuff. You may have a high belt rank. You may, you may know these details and things like that, but, if you've never been in an actual situation, right, preferably more than the high school pushing, shoving a punch or two, and then your friends pull you off and that kind of stuff, right? Um, if you've never been in one of those, then you better find somebody who has, who has actual combat experience, right? Now I had, I had battlefield experience and I had police 
uh, back alley, you know, arrest uh, experience. Uh, had a perpetrator almost try to shoot me in the head with my own gun one time. Wrestled around and got it out and um, had people try to stab me and all kinds of shit, right? So, um, uh, and that doesn't even talk about a stepfather who was supposed to be keeping me safe while I was growing up and almost put me in the grave. So, you know, a little bit of experience. Um, so the point was you better get with somebody who has that kind of experience because while they may not have a rank anywhere close to yours, while they may not be able to tell you the name of this technique versus that cop or whatever, what they will be able to tell you is how you better be training and what you better be paying attention to because that matters sometimes more so than the moves okay? because that is going to give logic and rationale to the, what you do. It's going to give the why, right? So, um, anyway, so you can get it from your, you can get it from your teacher where they just tell you, right? But you've got to validate this, right? You just because again, they could be, they could be blowing smoke, right? And it, a good teacher is not going to do it maliciously. They're doing it to see if you're fucking paying attention, if you're actually training, or if you're just memorizing stuff so you can regurgitate it and ego can sound like it knows what it's talking about, right? Um, again, on the obvious side, there's this direct experience either from the fight side or long enough in training, you will have made enough mistakes with any given technique and recognize, start to recognize, hopefully intuitively that if I, if I put my arm anywhere, but in this region and my shoulders outside of this open close ratio kind of thing, can't get that technique on, right? He'll be able to resist it. He'll be able to catch it. He'll feel it happening, all those kind of things, right? So, there's two types of experience there, right? In training experience, real world experience, right? Um, and then there's also the research and exploration, okay? Um, where you, you study things, okay? Could be Gray's Anatomy or some kind of anatomy or physiology book or whatever where you take a look at range of motion, where, where this limb is strong, that, that range of motion. <coughs> excuse me, where it's weak, that kind of thing. Or it could be all the way over to recognizing, okay, this was developed at what era, the armor was like what, and how did the pieces lay, and what was that made of, and what weapons were you dealing with, and those kind of things, right? So, oh, okay. So, right, Colt Bodeu's hand is here, right, protecting the neck. Okay, protecting the neck. Okay, but Kukishinden you, Hapo, uh, not Hapo, uh, Kukishinden, uh, Katate Hicho no Kamai, Kukishinden Ichimonu, right? The hand is like this, right? What's protecting the neck? What the hell, right? Because some people just go, well, I prefer this because this feels weird. It feels all torqued and stuff like that, right? Why this, okay? I like that because it just doesn't feel like it's twisted or whatever. Okay. But why the two? Okay. One's rather generic. 
Because I think that Kotoryu would have been a little bit more adjusted as well, right, getting this thing in place. But helmet design, right? Because I can cover my neck this way, but I can't stop, stop something from coming in this triangle, this region, to go, right? Why can't I just throw a knife hand any way I want, right? Why do I have to leave with my elbow and come in on this center line? Well, besides the fact that it's your weapon is a shield and it's guarding you on the way in, and beside the fact that if I throw it too wide when I hit the target, this could be open and I'm going to end up torquing and or tearing fine connective tissue in my shoulder and weakening and potentially long-term damaging myself, right? Um, what else? Right? Helmet design. Right? So, again, there's this this shape, right? It's like, think Darth Vader's helmet without the speaker plates on the front, right? It's open right there, okay? So it, it enters in and then strikes in that little space, right? Otherwise, you're going to be bashing your hand against his freaking helmet, which is, I mean, I, I guess you could do some stuff to him, but it's not going to be the same, right? So, okay, so... But most people aren't wearing helmets. You're right. Most boxers fight like this. See the triangle? Okay? If they fight like this, see the space you have, right? And his flinch response, being able to catch things or whatever, right? I need to enter in in a way that checks his potential blocking limb while accessing the target or move inside that space so that I stand a much greater chance of making it happen, right? It's about penetration. It's not just about the move, right? But maybe this is just me. Maybe when when my teacher said, you know, you need to ask why, or that particular teacher, right, Shoshi Malmstrom, right, why are you doing that dumb thing? And it made me think, because that was partial lie, right? It was, there was nothing wrong with my hand. It was exactly where it was supposed to be. But he made me question, am I doing this wrong? Is it not supposed to be here? Okay. But what he wanted to do was activate that part of my brain that needed to be on to question, why is this here? Why is this here this way? Why is it not down here? Why is it not up here in front of my face? Why is it... Okay. Because if we know those things, one, we can now use it much more effectively, right? We can develop that piece in the Kamai, just that piece, right, as a skill in and of itself, a weapon within a weapon, right? And the other thing that we can do is avoid doing the dumb shit that lots of people do who don't understand the damn technique by modifying it. So they can do this other thing. I saw somebody, that was probably a couple of years ago, but I saw somebody teaching Bujinkan, teaching Ichimonji, I can't remember if it was Ichimonji no Kata or something close to it, but either way, he was doing Ichimonji no Kamai. And um, he's like, I don't like this. It doesn't work well. It's not fast enough. That's a problem, which is why I've modified it here. And then he's bouncing around in it and stuff like he's in some other martial art. And... I said, of course, you can't freaking move around in it quickly. Your foot's not under your hip. 
Now, of course, I'm screaming at the video screen, not him, because he's at a different place in time, right? Uh, or time and space. Uh, but there's a whole bunch of whys not asked. There's a bunch of assumptions that are made, and then a bunch of modifications made to assumptions that continue the ignorance into perpetuity. That means into forever for those who need to know what perpetuity. Anyway, so, um, but <clears throat> why, right? This, this knowing why is really, really important. Okay. Now, but it, it has its place. It has its place. This is something that, that Westerners need to learn, not just when they go to Japan, but one of the things, one of the skill sets I never thought I would have to develop besides how to run an academy, how to effectively communicate that actually attracts people in um, and keeps them in class and whatever without placating to them and, and watering shit down and whatever, right? These are all skill sets, right? But this being a teacher and communicating to different learning types and, and things like that. I just had a grandmother tonight that um, – uh, she called me over and she said that that thing that you, you called it being a puppeteer, right? Because you move my grandson around. She goes, I used to do that to him when I was showing him my stuff and all that. And he learns that way really fast. And I said, I can see that. He's a tactile learner, right? The problem with Western academia, the problem with Western education is that it's heavy on the intellectual learner and everybody else tends to fall behind, right? But there are visual learners, there are auditory uh, intellectual or auditory intellectual. So they learn best by hearing and then abstract kind of processing and things like that. There are some that are almost entirely uh, abstract intellectual learners. And there are some that are tactile, right? Which is why I teach the way I do. A lot of people get bored by it. A lot of people don't like it, whatever. But if you've ever noticed, if you've ever been in one of the classes, I physically demonstrate the technique. I explain it. A couple, from a couple of different angles, and that really depends on who's in class, okay? Because there's also uh, helping. This is from the Mikyo, uh, the the wind realm, the realm of uh, application of skillful means, and it's being able to speak someone's listen based on their background, their education, their reference points in life, those kind of things, right? Um, I even use NLP things like Seder typing and whatnot, right, based on listening to them speak and knowing which of their five senses they process their world with primarily, and then that gets reflected in their language. So I echo that back so that they get it quicker, right? James has heard me say this kind of stuff. But I, I looked at her and said, if you notice, when I'm doing certain things in class, different students will tune in and tune out to greater or lesser extents at different times while I'm covering the same technique and I'm doing the same demonstration. Okay. And it's because I have to cover as many of those learning types as possible. Okay. So I demonstrate for the primarily visual learners, right? Those are people who can take it, go and get 90% right just because they watched it. Right. Other ones, I need to explain it and talk about the angling and, and things like that because it's going to come in through the ear and they're going to have to think about it and process it, and then they can get to 80, 90% right, right? But there's some people that are going to go and do things and just be all over the place. They watched it. 
they heard it, but it still didn't compute. It's the body's still not doing the right thing. And it's not because it's rough around the edges, right? They're doing something completely freaking backwards or whatever, right? James, we'll talk about Wyatt tonight, right? But, um, you go over and, and Seto Sensei was really good at this. Um, uh, Shrey Sensei, good at this. Uh, different teachers have kind of different approaches. I try to, I try to speak to, the, I try to speak the listen of every student, but sometimes you do the demonstration, you do the, do the explanation and you let them go off and do their thing. And I don't give a shit what the world is like these days. You come to my class, I can put my hands on you and I don't mean violently, right? So if you got a problem with that, then don't come to class, right? Because if I find that you're a tactile learner, I'm not going to walk up and go, do I have your permission to touch you? Do I have you? You're in a fucking martial arts class. You already gave permission for people to touch you. So, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to gra- I'm going to I'm going to take a hold of something and I'm going to put it in the right place. And sometimes I'll even have them once I put it in that place, right? I'll say, now adjust your legs and your feet so that you feel on balance and you feel relatively okay. It's going to feel off because your muscle tone, your stretching, your flexibility, what your brain is used to as far as normal for your body, that kind of thing, right? But close your eyes and feel. Feel that. Okay. Open your eyes. Okay. Do the move again. He's going to punch you. You're going to do the move, right? Okay. And I make it a little adjustment. Close your eyes. Feel that. Okay. Feel your arm is. Feel how your arm is. Feel your front leg. Feel your back leg. Feel. Okay. Good. Now, whenever you move to this, come on, go to that feeling. Stop thinking about the visual thing because that's not you. Go to that feeling. Okay. So, but that was a, was a skill set that I never thought I'd have to learn, right? But well, why do you, why do you demonstrate the way you do, right? I've had I've had friends who are really good teachers, right? Just tell me you talk too much, right? When you're teaching, you talk too much. Yeah, I'm not talking to you. I know you got bored way back because you're a visual learner. Meanwhile, I've got four students that are lost with a visual demonstration because. I need to put them in this position or literally have them freeze and I'll tap the leg that needs to be needs to move next. And sometimes I'll tap it so it stings so they can't forget after I stop touching them. Right. And then I had James do it tonight with this uh, one little boy that we have uh, new in class. But I'll put my foot where their foot is supposed to go. And I'll say, look over here. Look, see where my foot is. Good. When he punches, you're going to take this foot. Right. I'll slap that leg. Right. You're going to take that foot and step on my foot. Don't worry. You won't step on it. I'll move it. But you're going to step right there. Okay. And I'll also move their body just a little bit, not to make them step, but just enough so they get it with the torso, how they're going to move. Right. And that's the quickest way in because they're a tactile learner or I'll have to make analogies. Right. I've got a guy in class who has been a farmer his entire life. So I'll make certain, but it's, it's that kind of idea, right? But the why, why do you teach the way you do? Cause I don't have a classroom full of me. Okay. That's why. Right. And I have different ranks in there. Some already know the form. Some already know this and I need to keep them from getting bored because it feels like it's the same technique, same different day. Okay. So we start injecting the why or we start you know, adjusting little things for close range, long range or whatever, because some people, 
James is James's height, but if James were a different fighter type, he might not maximize the full extent of his legs and arm reach and stuff like that, right? He might be one of these pecker, not not pecker, right? But pecking kind of kind of attackers. Call myself. That was funny, right? Anyway. But um, just because that's how he was taught to fight or because he tenses his upper arms too much or whatever. Right. So um, anyway, so I do want to talk about the process quickly here. But before I do that, James, who do we have on? What kind of questions or comments or I'm full of shit uh, comments or whatever have come in uh, that I I can field or not um, before I move on to the next part? Uh, just this. Jimmy is on, said Kumbama, and Victor's on and said, I agree that how one learns is proportional to how you teach. Hmm. Yeah, and my job is to help my students learn this stuff faster than I learned it. Not the same way. Because I could teach the same way, I could teach the same way and parrot what my teacher did, how they did it, and all that. And everybody's going to experience that differently. Right? So, but this is not a contest. Right? I believe it's every teacher's responsibility to help their students learn it faster than they did. But that's going to require different skill sets than just the martial arts moves that you're teaching. Right? Because you learned it the way you learned it because of the way you were filtering and translating and, and those kind of things, right? You had certain problems, uh, problem areas. Other areas were smooth as silk, no problem whatsoever. But you know, students aren't carbon copies, okay? Problem that a lot of teachers have or group leaders have, and the reason why their groups always stay minuscule or they're on again, off again, is because they won't train people unless the person that shows up is a clone of them that looks different. They have to be all in or they have to, you know, whatever. Okay. It's just, it is what it is. Right. So, um, what else? Excuse me. That was it right now. That was it right now. All right. Fine. Okay. So these are different mindsets, right? Okay. So, one of the things that Westerners have a problem with is doing the whole shut the hell up and do it because that's what the teacher gave you. Okay. And now I just, at the very beginning of this said the Japanese teachers like us because we always ask questions and we ask why, right? Well, how the hell, what do you mean? Shut up. I should be asking questions. Yeah. After you can do the moves. Right. Because I've also been on the, uh, the end of or right next to a training partner who asked the question that I was thinking and I'm then I was glad that I didn't ask the question because the punch in the gut was the same, right? Even though my name wasn't attached to it, looking at me, I was about to ask that same question, right? Why would I do this? The teacher looks back and goes, doesn't matter. You can't do it. Until you can do the moves, the question why or the question when or where would this be applicable doesn't matter. It's a moot point. You can't do the moves. 
we just had a conversation was I think it was last week again, right? Uh, shows you, uh, Whistler. We talk about all these trolls that leave all these comments and stuff, right? That I'm fat, bald, ugly, whatever it is, right? Old. Um, uh, and we just had this chuckle with it because he has offered to step in and do the technique as well. Right. Not as my uke or whatever. He'll do the technique. Right. And he's like skinny as a rail. Right. He's short, skinny. I mean, I guess he's about my height. Right. And he said, you know, how about if I just do it? Right. And then that, that'll take away their, uh, their, uh, excuse that they just flat out can't do the technique. Right. So they're using all these other things as distractions, but can they do it? It doesn't matter because sometimes, you know, I'll even say, you know, they'll say that wouldn't work or, you know, that that shit doesn't work. And my response isn't, yes, it is. Right. Because now you have like two kids throwing jello at each other across the room. Right. My response is, I'm sorry that you're training in this art and your uh, your application or understanding of this technique, um, you know, didn't work out. Right. And their response is always. I didn't have any training in that stupid fucking art. I, whatever. I, I would never do anything like that. Right. Which just exposes their ignorance. Right. How do you know it won't work? How do you know it's effectiveness? How do you know anything about it? If you've never done it, it's like uh, George Carlin, the comedian. He had this, uh, he had this uh, little skit where when he was growing up, right. Um, he was a fussy eater. Right. A fussy eater. Right. Everybody know what a fussy eater is. Yeah. His definition of a fussy eater is a euphemism for big pain in the ass. Right. But, uh, you know, he would try to use logic back on his parents, you know, or his parents would use logic on him. Like, how do you know you don't like it if you've never even tried it? And of course, it's a comedy skit. And he'd go came to me in a dream. Right. And I, I don't like it. And I know if I tried it, I would like it even less. Right. That that kind of thing. Right. But and I know how funny that sounds. And there's probably even some people nodding their head like, yep, sounds perfectly logical to me. Right. That's the kind of logic that's applied. When people are looking at techniques online. Right. They've already come with filters. They've already come with the rose colored glasses. Right. They already have their way. And most of them are trolling to be able to leave comments. I mean, can you imagine waking up in the morning and going, who can I tell is wrong today? Right. How can I defend my position at the top of the hill? Right. What can offend me today? Right? Nice life. Interesting. Right. But here's the other thing. And, and we all need to be, be cautious of this as well. Right. Cause we're not, we're not beyond this. Right. I'm not, you're not, let's not fool ourselves. Right. This is how we keep ego in check. What most people don't re- realize or recognize is that when they fault a technique or anything, right, and then share how they would beat it, they're missing an important piece. They're missing an important why they're able to do that. The why is they've already seen the technique. But... If the technique was being done to them, 
in a situation they've never seen it before, and it's in the it's in the thick of things, right? And they don't have time to respond. They've got to make up a defense for it on the fly. It's not the same, is it? It's not the same. So when we're looking at techniques and we're finding fault in the whole thing, see, that's the time that we need to step in is the uke, right? Uke, receiver, right? Doesn't just mean receiver. It implies one who is receiving the technique. The job of the receiver is not just to give the proper attack to the defender so they can work the technique until it's my turn, right? Their job is to receive the technique to feel and understand what that technique does to a human body, to its parts, to the spine and the ability to move, to the perceptions, all of that, right? It's the other half of the learning paradigm. It's the Uda of learning a technique. It's the hidden backside of the learning process, right? It's the why it's important to learn how to be a good uke. You mean learn how to be a good uke? All I have to do is learn how to throw the punch correctly because he's going to do no. Okay? It's like learning how to be a good student. Well, I'm a student. I signed up and I show up at the dojo. It doesn't make you a good student. Okay? There's certain skills that you have to have. The ability to hold your attention. The ability to not be distracted. The ability to be consistent. The ability to follow instructions. The ability to be loyal. The ability to... There's... No. We make far too many freaking assumptions. Right? And we don't ask enough of what goes into it. Right? These are hard-fought lessons and I, the reason I pay thousands of dollars every time I go to Japan. If I learn one new technique or one new thing during that two weeks that I'm there and that 600 to whatever uh, that I pay uh, in training fees during that time, I spend more in training than I do in my hotel rooms. Um, but if I learn one new thing, that part was successful but I don't pay that much to go to learn from the Omote side. I've been around for way too long. Does that mean you can't teach an old dog new tricks? No, of course not. My wife for going to Japan is to hear no as often as possible. How do I fix it if people that are as far beyond me as my students think I am beyond them, if those people don't, critique it if they don't tell me where I'm off. Okay? I don't spend that much money to go to Japan for these people to tell me it's awesome, good, everything's good, yeah, here's some more rank. Okay? Seems like a waste of money to keep going and doing something that I already know. Why did we all go to the dojo? Other than being a teacher in your own dojo, why do we go? To learn, to be in student mode. And part of being student, in student mode, which ego does not like, which is, again, why we learn to keep ego in check, right, is to find out 
where and how we're wrong. That's also the thing that keeps most people from training because they're afraid they're going to embarrass themselves. They're afraid they're going to get it wrong. They're afraid they're not going to know it as well. I just sent out an email earlier with a, with a write up. James, do you see that on the, it sucks, right? This really sucks. I think was the title of it, right? And pointed out a bunch of different perspectives, but it went right back to the, you need to embrace the suck because any change, any new thing that you're learning, of course you're not going to be fucking good at that, right? If you're learning something you already know, that's not learning. <laughs> that's that's bumping into the same thing. All right? So it's, anyway, so let's get back to this, right? So the process, right? Why comes after the doing. We covered that in a previous um, uh, Kuden that was a big part of something that came up in the training in the Sanju Chichi Dobo and the 37 Fundamentals on the Path Leading to Enlightenment program, um, where most people want to, they want to uh, take something, like they're interested in it, right? We'll pick martial arts at the moment, right? But they're passionate about learning it, they're interested in learning it or whatever. And so they want to, they want to learn more about it and then they want to get started. Right. Um, and that sounds really logical, right? Like I don't know enough or I need to lose weight first or I need to, uh, whatever. Right. But from the enlightened perspective, at least this over 2,500 year old system, enlightened perspective, right? It's inside out. Right. Because you need to assume that whatever you think you know about something you've never done, most of it's wrong, right? Or at least a good portion of it's wrong, right? You haven't done it. You can watch it, right? You can watch it. We all know this, right? You can watch a technique demonstrated how many times? You go to do it, right? You suddenly feel like you have 14 extra fingers or three extra feet or you lost a leg or whatever because... The timing's not working out. There's there's all this stuff that's off, right? Um, which is why the first part of training, right, that, that model is not intention, mindfulness, doing, and then exploring, investigating, more study, that kind of thing, right? It's not that, right? It's interest, doing, then mindfulness, Right? The knowing, right? Because jumping in and doing it will show you where you're wrong, what you're right about, what you're almost right about, what you need to be paying attention to, what you're not paying attention to, what you, whatever, right? So that's the mindfulness, right? And then there's the investigation and exploring and all that, right? So mindfulness comes after doing, right? There's no point in even asking those questions until you learn what it is that you're supposed to be paying attention to, where the gaps in your understanding is, what you need to know. Okay? But far too many people want to play the, the other game, right? And then they'll pick and choose what techniques or skills they want to learn based on what they think they know about what they'll need. Okay? Um, I just did... Uh, another video I added on for the new program that's out and I, I made another one. They're, they're templated, so, templatized. So if you go through both programs, they'll sound a little bit familiar with some changes, but 
um, one of the things that was uh, in the one uh, for this realm of the uh, warrior tactician um, in that one, there's a cautionary note in it, right? That most people are going to want to focus on the techniques, which makes sense, right? I'm, I'm in this for self-defense. Here's the techniques. I'm going to learn this, right? And then when it comes to the skill tech, the skill lessons and the drills, most people are going to pick and choose the ones they think they need work on or the ones they think are applicable or that make sense as far as they know, or, you know, well, you're probably going to need that one. That one makes no sense. I mean, is that, that one, uh, maybe later, whatever, right? They're going to pick and choose these things. And by and large, uh, at least 80% of the students, if not more, are going to ignore at least 80% of the personal development lessons. I know that. Okay. But there's also, and I make a point, listen to the words coming out of, okay. Nothing in these programs is fluff. There is no filler. Okay. Um, I don't put them in there if I don't think they have to do with self-events, success, development, mastery, those kind of things. And they're all directly related to both sides of the, of the fence, so to speak. They're all related to both combat and life because they're all about tactics, strategic thinking, critical thinking, observation, right? Assessing, finding the easiest way or the most natural way, that kind of thing, right? There's, there's no fluff in there, right? They're all designed to, to not only teach people how to, to do self-defense techniques, but how to think about problems and challenges based on the problem and challenge they're facing and not based on assumptions or preferred methods or the same click word response that they use for everything else. Okay. So the process for learning, we're going to assume that people come to the training with intent and passion. And when I say passion, I mean, there's a desire to learn, right? They don't have to be like, raw, right? Some of us are that way. And passion is not always that kind of energy. It's that same energy, but that passion for me was, there's no fucking way in hell I'm ever going to live in that kind of terror or not know how to deal with that kind of violence or that kind of problem or whatever ever again in my life. And so let's do this. Okay. So it doesn't have to be the rah-rah cheerleader that when, when some people hear passion, they think, you know, a very specific thing, which is why I always try to define the word as I mean it in the context of the class I'm giving. So everybody's on the same sheet of music and I don't allow students to just define it the way they would ad hoc define the word. Okay. And English is too sloppy to begin with. Right. So anyway, so we make that assumption. So we're here in the doing, right? At that stage, you learn the damn technique. Okay. To the degree that you can copy your teacher's movement. Okay. You learn how to do it. Okay. Yeah, I know, but why would I do this? It doesn't matter. At the moment, it doesn't matter. If you can't do it, 
none of that matters. If you could suspend that for just a little while and put your attention on making sure that in this particular combine, you don't just have, you know, the body parts in place, but you can also move, right? So one of the litmus tests in Kamai is you must be able to move one, at least one foot, right? At least one foot easily to step or kick without moving your torso first. If you can't do that, in the words of one of my teachers, your kamai sucks. How's that for a litmus test? How's that for a, hmm, do I really know how to do this kamai the way it's supposed to be done? Uh, so that it is closer to combat ready and not, I assume, it's combat ready. Because if that were the case, most people wouldn't throw their shit away as soon as they started doing Rondori or sparring training. Because they don't trust their combine. They don't really believe that it can be used in a fight in the 21st century against modern fighters. So they learn one thing in the dojo, technique-wise, and then when it comes to sparring, fucking move around like everybody else on the street. What's the point? Okay. We're going to end up being like everybody else in, in martial arts, where you're caught to look one way, your self-defense techniques look a different way, and your sparring doesn't look like either of the two. So why bother? Well, sensei, because that's the way it's done. Really? If you, if you were standing in front of Shidoji Malmstrom right now and you answered that question that way, right? Why bother? If you say, because that's the way it's done, I'm going to punch you right in the face. <laughs> For those of you who are late, you missed that story. You'll have to go back later on and listen to that, because that's usually what we got, right? Break your fucking leg. I'll kick you right in the crap, whatever. And I had one teacher one time. I was doing this technique, um, and this this got in so well that I tried to help somebody else later on, and then, you know, you pick and choose your battles, right? <laughs> so I'm I'm in this training. And I'm going back, and the, the technique is working. The cop is working and all that kind of stuff, right? And he walks over, and he goes, stop. And I'm like, income line, right? And he goes, you know what I would do if I were him right now? I'm looking at everything, and I'm like, covered. I'm like, no, what? And he goes, I kick you right in the nuts. And I realized in that moment that I had been so focused on the step-by-step of the kata itself. I didn't pay attention to the fact that it's a model and my movements dictate his movements. And what options and, and potentials he has. Right? It's karma. Right? So the next move of the kata says he's going to do this other thing. But if my groin's wide open, he has a kick as a potential option. Okay? I'll give you another story that's related in a minute here. But all I could muster in that moment was, thank you, and I'm glad you're not him. And he said, I bet. Fix it. Yes, sensei. Right? So 
problem a lot of people run into when they're learning this or anything is they get a lot of leeway, right? In this copy stage, it's no leeway, right? Do it this way. This is the angle. This is the, right? So, again, later on, same dojo, same dojo, but I'm working with the teacher who made that comment. I'm working with his teacher. I'm working with Isuke Sensei, who his own wife calls a devil, right? Because most people don't stay around in his classes because they fucking hurt, right? And he reminds you on a regular basis that every time you come to the dojo, you risk dying. Okay? Well, who wants that? I want to learn my shit and get my belts, dude. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to die. Well, then you don't want to be a warrior either. So, um, But I'm working with somebody else. We're working this kata. And I stop him at this point because, like, his angle was way worse than mine. And his distance was terrible. Like, he, I'm short. He was well within range. Right? And I stopped him. I said, Dude, I'm not here to teach. I'm in student mode, but like every time you move back into Ichimonji, I want to kick you in the groin or kick you in the gut. And he goes, well, it doesn't matter. This kata doesn't have a kick in it. And I said, oh, sorry, my mistake. Just went back to doing things. Okay. But every time he went back into Kamai, his arms were up for cover. Why would I throw a fucking punch? His groin is wide open. Well, according to his logic, the why I wouldn't throw a kick is because there's not a kick in this kata. And I said, my mistake, I thought we always had to worry about getting kicked in the crotch. Where'd that lesson come from? Where did that come from me teaching? Because my teacher came by and said, lucky he's not me. How many times have I said that in the dojo, James? I've walked up to somebody and said, lucky he's not training. Or if, if they're upper levels. I'll walk up to the Ruka and go, excuse me, I'm cutting in. And I'll move them out of the way. And uh, and sure enough, the student that I'm trying to help fix will all of a sudden, like, close off the neck, get that shoulder in there, blade more and whatnot, because, see? And then I have to look at him and say, why? Why are you covering everything when I'm your Uke? Well, because you'll punch me. You'll kick me. Yeah. So you're because they're a lower level or because they're nice and either don't think about exploiting those things or not, you're going to pick and choose when you do the right things. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Then I turn and look at their uke and I say, next time he leaves that open. Give my permission to kick him right in the crotch. Or say I have expedience for, for newer students, right? I take an uh, eight and a half by 14 piece of paper, right? Legal size. And I cut it into, I think what I get, like three strips out of those, James. Three strips, I think. Right? Three equal strips. And like I'll hold the strip. For those of you on audio only, I apologize, but I'm holding it vertical. And then at the very bottom of the page, I take a big black marker or whatever color I can find. And I write the words, big letters, kick me with an exclamation point. And then I take that strip of paper and I walk up to the person who needs it. And I tell them, this is a new training aid for you. You put this in your training bag because I want this available every time you need this lesson. 
And then I take the top part of that and I loop it over the top of their belt and tuck it between their belt and their stomach so that the kick me is hanging right down in front of their crotch. And then I look at their partner and I say, if they move into Kamai, and obviously we're not doing Jumonji or Hyoda or whatever, right? We're doing bladed Kamai. I say, if you can read those words, you follow my instructions. Really? Yeah, really. Okay. Are you sure? James knows how I feel about are you sure. Never ask me if I'm sure. I wouldn't have fucking said it. Okay? I don't play the same freaking games that everybody else does where I'm placating people. Okay? Are you sure? Yes, I'm sure. I'm not the guy that's, well, I kind of accept my martyrdom in life and I'll like, you know, I really want to say this thing, but I'm afraid that other people aren't going to like it. And I, you know, honey might not talk to me for three days or my wife will tell you that I can get a lot of work done in three days. (laughs) We have a really great relationship, but she knows that I'm just, you know, if you're, if she's fishing, and she learned this, was it first or second date? She was fishing for a yes, dear. She was fishing for absolute agreement, regardless of what I, she was being really, really insistent. We were at a restaurant, nice family restaurant. I slid out of the booth, turned to face the table, knelt down in a formal zade, and bowed. What are you doing? Well, you obviously want a yes, dear, so I'm going to make it obvious. Here you go. Don't do that. Don't do that. You can ask for my opinion, but I'm not in the military anymore. You're not my commanding officer. You don't get to give me an opinion. Does that make me a dick? No. It makes me authentic. It makes me honest. My wife and I are two very independent people who choose to live in an arrangement where There are days where we are codependent, we may be dependent, or we're independent. But only independent people can do that. The problem is that there's a whole lot of conditioning that comes before that that gets in the way of living with any kind of confidence, power, or control. So, anyway. And even when I acquiesce, yes, I've chosen to do that. So I don't mope about it later. I don't feel like I just, you know, kicked myself in the balls or took my testicles off and whatever. Let honey have her own way. I was fine. Okay. So don't ask me if I'm sure. Okay. Uh, anyway, so got to be able to do it, right? So there's the doing, right? And then, okay, now that I can do it, right, I start exploring. Why in the you is the arm all the way out here? But in the gyokoryu, it's all, it's in here like this, right? In pick a lineage, right? <laughs> I was taught it was kukishinden, but the papers that got passed around, it's not on there. Even Seno Sensei couldn't answer that question you know, a couple of years before he passed. You know, we used to do this come on all the time. And now we don't. I have no idea why. But we're going to do it, right? It's this doko no kamai, right? The three of the kamai that are in the mod too, right? Then you start exploring. Why does this go here? Where, you know, what, what's the benefit that you get, right? Um, you start to recognize that, you know, Kamai didn't come first. Kamai were an afterthought. And I don't mean like an afterthought, like you don't pose a certain way, right? 
but people want to when they want to get the dencho, they want to get the listings of kata, and they want to learn. You know, they want to treat kumai like stances. You know, and stances are to most people they're these necessary evil that I have to learn as a beginner so I can get onto the cool stuff. But kumai are very different creatures. Kumai are the cool stuff. That's where the power resides, right? The feeling, the combat strategic feeling, or the combat the the, the intent. That you're communicating across that, that kukan, across that void, right? To your attacker is, I'm so confident in my kumai that I can win with just this. That should be the feeling in all of your kumai, right? That's a very different creature. That's a very different mindset, right? But why are these pieces here, right? And when I say that kumai are an afterthought, right? What I mean is the lineage has its principles, its concepts, its perspective on things, right? And you have these techniques, right? You have these things that you do to control him, manipulate him, things like that, right? Well, what I was taught and what I came to understand when I really started exploring Kamai as a science in and of themselves, Kamai as weapons, Kamai as tools, Kamai is more than just a base from which you launch punches and kicks, right? That's a dachi. It's a stance, right? Does Kamai have a dachi element? Yes, but they're not, right? Kamai are based on the concept of the three bodies. Different lesson, different time. Anyway, so, but Kamai in any given lineage were developed as tactical expedients that allow me to execute my techniques easier. But not if I don't, I mean, knowing that only gets you part of the way. But if I don't understand that, I can't use that kumai to its fullest extent. Right? When I was taught by Manaka uh, Daishihan, well, there's not Manaka Shihan at the time, and now it's, what is it, uh, Unsui, right? Head of the Jinankan? Yeah, Unsui. Right. So what I was taught by him was there's an order to your training. You learn the Kamai, right? In the context of Yokoryu, which you could use as a as a template for every school, right? What you get first is the Kamai. And not to breeze over. You learn Ichimonzi no uh, you learn Ichimonzi no Kamai. And then you learn Ichimonzi no Kata. Well, duh, sensei. That makes everybody knows that. Yeah, no. I didn't say you learned how to do Ichimonji no Kamai. I said you learn Ichimonji no Kamai. And then you learn Ichimonji no Kata. In this context, Ichimonji no Kata means an example for using. Ichimonji no Kamai. And then, based on the Gyokoryu principles, you run Ichimonji no Kata through the Kihonapo process. That's different. It's not the same. That's not what Ego wants to do. Right. So, why? Why is training a certain way, right? 
And again, I've been picking on training this whole time because I'm trying to protect everyone from their own ego knee jerk responses when I say that we have to recognize that I mean, Budo teaches all this stuff, right? Budo teaches that if you screw something up, you will die. If you didn't learn something to the extent you need to, you will die. Right? But in life, I don't think anybody gives any thought to the fact that if you don't know any better, ignorance, misunderstanding, lack of knowledge in certain areas or whatever. And you you struggle to make certain things happen and they, they're not happening. And you resign yourself to the fact that you are fill in the blank. You are only capable of fill in the blank. Me and my family or people like me only work jobs like this. Or whatever, right? Parts of you have died. To be sure, the part of you that thought that anything was possible for you, the sky was the limit, and you were going to change the world and all that, that person has died because of other choices that were made. Right? So it's the same. The, the law of Budo is the same. Okay. Now, Mikio points out that sometimes you want to kill the bastard because it's getting in the way. Mikio, the, the study and practice of Mikio is the practice of recreation. Right? Intentional recreation of oneself and one's outcome. You get a do-over. Right? Because when you were born, you didn't know any better. You were at the whim of all of the influences that were hitting you. And you didn't know any better. You didn't know how to take control of that process. Now you get a chance to do it again intentionally, right? As a part of, uh, there's a meditation that we have called, um, the words of confession. And, uh, the gist of the mantra is, uh, since as long as I can remember, right? I've been, uh, doing the best I can with what I have, right? With what I know, right? But in the context of that, I've generated negative thoughts, negative words, negative actions. Uh, I've generated habit patterns that have created what most people would call their comfort zone. I've created these habit patterns, okay? Now that I know better, now that I am learning better, I intend to do better what the... The actual translation is, is I wish to acknowledge and atone for all. Okay. Most people think atonement is apology. Okay. I apologize to everybody. That's not atonement. Okay. It's not atonement. Atonement is doing differently so that you don't produce the same shit. I love, I used to do this, but I love it. Saying that facetiously. When people moan and groan, you know, same shit, different day. Well, stop running the same habit patterns that create the same shit. It's a new day. Should be new stuff. Okay? 
People like to talk about learning from your experience. Really? I don't think so. I think people bitch and moan and complain about their experience. Okay. Why? Because they don't know any better. Because everybody else around them does it. Why does everybody else around them do it? Because either they were attracted to that group because that group thinks the same as they do or allows them to feel comfortable or those people independently liked what they saw in you and you all became a group. That's karma. It's a universal law of the, it's a primary law of the universe. Cause and effect. So why? Why, 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 why? I don't know. I don't know your context. You figure it out. I can help you with martial arts techniques, come I and things like that, but only to a certain extent. As some of my teachers have been also kind or unkind enough to say, um, I can't teach this stuff. You have to learn it, which makes no sense. I mean, you're a teacher and you're showing this stuff. I'm a teacher. I show this stuff. Yeah, see, that's an expedient word. I am demonstrating something in a way that you can get a glimpse at or a hint of. But you can't feel what my body feels like. You can't feel the weight distribution. You can't feel the balance. You can't feel the way the ground and my foot meet each other and transition. All you see is a snapshot or a little movie clip. And you have to sort out the rest. There's so much in, and, and it's, it's funny. People make the claim that online training doesn't work, right? Only dojo training works because you're in the realm with your teacher and all that. Except once you understand, like, how the mind works and all this stuff, and you recognize and you learn and, and, and know this as a fact, you know this is a truth, that... Your, your, the, the faculties that are processing your experience cannot tell the difference between what's going on out there and a visualization that you have in here. Can't tell the difference. Well, I can touch this out here. Really? You ever have a dream where you engaged with things and woke up and were absolutely confused as to whether that actually happened or you were just dreaming? It's called lucid dreaming. Okay. So if it can't tell the difference between something out here in this three-dimensional, ten-dimensional room and what I can visualize and create in here, and there's, there's Mikio practices for actually creating it in your mind and moving it out here where you can see it in full dimension in the world. Of course, then you have to learn the skill of dissolving it. Otherwise, shit pops up in the most inopportune times. And you don't want to swerve and crash your car going down the road at 60 miles an hour while, you know, some image pops up on the road because you don't have control of that aspect of your mind. So, but um, if, it do, if it can't do that, right, then you're at least watching things, right? Now, Hatsumi Sensei makes a really good point about a missing element in video training and online training and stuff like that. And that is the energy shared 
between human beings that are in the same space and time. This is an argument that quantum physics makes. Okay. It's shared energy. Okay. So I do the best I can by doing live interactive things. And, uh, that could be audio, right? It could be the Tuesday, Friday group coaching calls. It could be, uh, the virtual training and stuff like that. But, you know, there's the seminars and, and things like that as well. So, uh, but I believe that energy transfers this way too, to a certain extent, right? Um, anyway. So, that's where I'm going to let this kind of peter out. Um, questions, comments, James, you get to be the voice of the people. Senator Alexander. <laughs> Can you wear a toga for me? I'd appreciate it. <laughs> You're a Roman senator. Anyway. <laughs> uh, Victor's got a comment and a question here. What are we doing first? Uh, the comments first. I believe okay. that 80% of those who go to Japan go for the validation and rank, and only 20% go for self-improvement. Oh, I absolutely agree. Uh, dude, you and I are right there, and 80% is, that's being conservative. And his question is, do you believe that the fear of death is a missing element in Budo? It's modern Budo? Uh, fear of death? Well, yeah, that's a good start. I, I think everybody comes to the training with a fear of death, right? I think what's missing is coming to grips with that, choosing to live the war. Not just, when I say live, I don't, I don't mean like, like fucking taking on a role, right? Like playing a part, right? People, I was talking to somebody earlier and I, I was asking his real name, right? Because it looks like he could either be Native American or have that kind of influence, or he's another one of these Yahoo's that made up a freaking name because he's in the martial arts and chose, you know, my name is Budo Togakure. Uh, your name is Bob. Shut the fuck up. Right. So, but anyway, right. That's not his name anyway. But I, I was asking, you know, I have to ask, right? What's your name? No, that's, that's, that's my real name or whatever. And we, we discussed the, the sheer number of freaking contacts I have or people that make with me or, um, you know, they send me an email or whatever and they've got, you know, sunbeam in a jar or whatever. I, I made that one up, but right. That's, they come up with shit like that, right? They, and they're going to communicate with a teacher and ask to be a student, but that's what you're going to lead with. What the f- Seriously? Right? I mean, we're not cosplay. Okay? So, but if we, if, if we are earnestly, right, trying to do the warrior thing, then this is, this is not, I mean, anything is up for debate, but this is not, this is not, Voluntary, this is not, it's not negotiable, right? You have to come to grips with death. You have to, you have to accept death. And you have to understand the difference between the warrior's acceptance of death and wanting to die. 
Those are two completely different things. For the longest time, I could not reconcile that, right? I had to, that was something I had to stew on for a long time until I finally had that, Nico, we call it a turning in the seat of consciousness, where I understood it, right? Because if you're a warrior and you're willing to step up, you wouldn't do half the dumb shit that these immature, adolescent-minded, I don't give a shit what their age is, fighters do where somebody says something, it's in this category of things, I have to do, right? This goes back to that story I told about um, that I conveyed that was one of Andrew uh, Tate's stories, right? Is this worth dying for? Because when I step up, I have to accept the reality that no matter how skilled I am, no matter what I know, no matter how well I've assessed this situation, I can die. And the reality is we're all easy to kill. Human body is pretty freaking frail. For as strong as it is, we're all easy to kill. And what we're studying is how easy that is. But what most people, what most egos are doing is ignoring the fact that that's a two-way street. Because they're focused on doing it to the other guy. But they want to believe that they're invincible. Or they're becoming invincible. No such thing. Okay. Just sharing something with a student earlier today. Her and another student actually came in and asked it because it's getting cold. They used to meet out in the park and, and do practice and stuff like that. And they asked if they could just use the dojo. Of course, not recording, whatever. It's all good. And uh, they ask a question about because we have these street closed days uh, every month. And we really we don't frown on if somebody shows up in their uniform or whatever, but that just tells us that they're not paying attention to all the information sources we have about what's going on throughout the days, weeks, and months um, that are designed around the training thing. So the street clothes days are a chance for people to wear whatever they would normally wear for work, for school, lounging around the house, out shopping, whatever, right? And if it's the same thing, that tells me how how multidimensional their life is not, right? They have decided that they are a way and they're not very adaptable. Or they've made choices where everything's in this one field or one one range because they've decided what they are, period. It's no wonder they can't make any other things happen, right? But that aside... But she admitted that, you know, she is a creature of habit, and so she likes to wear hoodies, right? But she's learned in class and all that, that, you know, the hood, all kinds of things can be used against her, you know, so is that a bad thing? Should I not wear hoodies? Um, That's not really how she formed the question. What she said was, are there any advantages to wearing a hoodie? And I said, sure, right? The cool thing, you know, I make fun of people who hold on to their cuff of their sleeve, right? I look out of her and go, why, did, why are you doing that? You're afraid your shirt's going to fall off? I mean, it's it's connected to you pretty well. Why do you keep holding on to the cuff of your sleeve? Okay. 
they don't even know they do it, right? But hoodie material is very flexible, right? While most people would think about taking it off or whatever, and no, I'm not blinding myself even for a second. I'm not being one of those guys that like going to take my shirt off to show how tough I am, right? Uh, no. Now, if he grabs things and I can slip out of it, great, right? Because that's a cool technique to do. Grabs you and you slip out of your own clothing, okay? But um, the material is very stretchy, right? So what I can do is grab the cuff with the other hand and counter pull with my shoulder or elbow on the sleeve that's in the sleeve and pull on the cuff on the other one and overstretch that material. And now I've got a Kasari Fundo in my hand. Right. So now I can use it for uh, deflecting and tying up and all those kind of things. Right. Um, when somebody grabs a hold of me, it's really difficult to use my clothing against me because it's so flexible. Right. So, yeah, there are advantages. So she said, OK, so. So should I wear a hoodie or shouldn't I wear a hoodie? I said, see, you're thinking too, too. One dimensionally. Right. You're thinking it's either. Should I or shouldn't I? But this is all of our training. And I covered the you're easy to kill and whatever, right? What you're learning is how to use your body, weapons, and other things in a way that they're very strong, right? Stable, balanced, all that. And you're learning to apply techniques and do things to his body to force him to have to operate from positions where the body is very weak. This is not one or the other. This is, this is how the body is strong. You need to, as much as possible, operate within this realm. This is how the body is very weak. You need to keep your body out of those realms and operate and manipulate him to operate within that. See, this is the tactics and strategies that we're going through in this realm of the tactician, right? And this, this, this new program that's out, Dave Fletcher's in it, Jeffrey Fletcher's in it. These guys, you guys aren't related, right? Anyway, so, um, all my other guys are going through it as well. I've always said this, this pocket of training, this 16 weeks, the stuff I'm giving you during that will take you easily. This will serve you easily to eighth degree black belt. Does that mean that the techniques will look the same at eighth degree black belt as they do when I give them to God? I hope not, because if they do, somebody's not practicing. And the only time they should look that way is when that eighth degree or that second degree or whatever is teaching somebody going through the mod two material and learning it that way. Right. But I fucking hope not. Right. So but anyway, it'll it'll be that far. So this is not about do a hoodie. Don't do a hoodie. This is about these are the advantages that you have with it. Use those advantages. These are the disadvantages. Don't let him get into a fucking position that he can exploit those disadvantages. This is no different than your Tajitsu. This is no different than anything else. It's not a this or that. It's yin-yang. They're both happening at the exact same time. You need to be mindful about being where you need to be tactically and strategically so that your techniques will affect him the way they're supposed to, and his techniques will be neutralized and won't work on you. That's way beyond. That's a why way beyond. 
I learned Ichimon's no Kata. Ain't I cool? Yeah. At the level where you're supposed to be learning Ichimon's no Kata. Absolutely. At the level where we start asking questions about why is the arm bent at an angle and what is the best angle? Like, why is it there? So, oh, if I learn those, then I'll know exactly what fucking angle to put that arm on. And I won't be guessing. And I won't be asking questions like, Sensei, when I've seen people do doko no kamai, I've seen everything from it being like here to here to way up here. I know, I apologize to those of you on, on audio only, but I just moved my arm in a bunch of different positions, right? And I won't be one of the less than intelligent or enlightened people who say, well, it's flexible. You can pretty much put it anywhere. Not in any given situation, you can't. Right? So but I won't be making statements like that. And I won't be asking questions like I've seen people put it here, 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 which one is right. Because once I understand its purpose and I understand the, the experience or the situation that I'm in, I will know. So I have to be able to do it. Then I explore the why of it to understand which variation, when, those kind of things, right? But to get to that lesson that I gave that poor, poor new student in, a, in just, she's only been in mod two for what, a month or two? Two months, I think. She has a test coming up, right? Yeah. So two full months. So, um, I hope she got it. I, I think she got part of it, but this is not what most Westerners, this is not what most people are used to. Most people are used to being given the lesson in class, asking, is this on the test? If the answer is yes, putting a concerted effort into learning it enough that I can regurgitate it on the test so I can pass the test. Most students don't learn things to do more than pass the test and get the belt. Victor just pointed that out. They don't. The outcome they want is to get the diploma or to graduate or whatever, not to learn the information. We have to be very fucking careful because while that may work for a good part of academia, and the reason why we have to learn a bunch of those things is you're young, dumb, and full of cum, and you have no fucking idea what you want to do when you get out in the world. You have no idea what job opportunities or professions or whatever there are and what skill sets you're going to need, so they give you a broad base so that you can find where your interests lie, where they're not, whatever, right? Um, so that's a why for the education system. But um, we have to be careful that that same process isn't going into Budo. That's since I made a concerted effort over the, over the decades that he was teaching and we were supposed to be learning to differentiate between martial arts training and real Budo. And just like it said in wisdom teachings, from the Bible to name one, okay, many are called, but few are chosen. That's not just divine. That's not just God choosing among. That's, that's the questions, the knowledge, the information is available to everybody. Not everybody's going to get it. 
Okay. Anyway, what else do we have? So as far as belief goes on the on the the fear thing, I, I think everybody is just in, you know, imbued with fear. The trick with warriorship and Budo is relating to it and coming to grips with it. Um, same thing with death. Right. Miku has cool things about that, too. Like, go meditate in the graveyard. What else? Uh, <clears throat> Dave Fletch. Where is that? Um, you lost him. Way to uh, go, It just moved on me. Dave, if you get a second, check that again. He made a comment about the, logging onto the site. Um, check it again. I just made a change in the back end. Check that again and let me know if it shows correctly for you now. Um, <clears throat> Jeffrey just put out on speaking about the accepting of the reality and possibility of death is often something that most don't even want to consider, and yet daily about 150,000 people globally die or are killed, and odds are those people started their day not realizing it would be their last. Yep. And Victor. Now, maybe it was because I came from a background, because uh, I was a Cold War soldier, so, um, you know, there was a threat of global fucking war at any moment, um, and terrorism reigned supreme all over the place. Um so I'd long since been out of the military, um, but experience <laughs> experience teaches things, right? And so when 9-11 happened, I remember uh, my brother calling me, and he was just absolutely beside himself. Like, he could not understand how anybody's belief system could cause them to do such a thing. And I said, I understand from your perspective, but people do this on a micro level every damn day. They're willing to call people names, wreck their world, undermine them, do them damage, slander them, physically attack them. Just because they didn't steer an airplane into a fucking building doesn't mean that you don't see this every day. Now, somebody acting on their belief system, he was talking religion, all that kind of stuff. People act on their belief system every day. When we can recognize that the macrocosm and the microcosm is exactly the same, when we can look at something that causes us to just be absolutely fab flabbergasted and we can stop and ask ourselves, when do I do things like that? doesn't have to be the exact same thing. doesn't have to be on the same scale. When do I do that? We'll start judging less. We'll start being more mindful of our own bullshit. I'm sorry, belief system. BS is BS is BS, right? So anyway, um, what what was that? What else was going going on top of that? Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I need to get that thought out. 
Victor just said thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, did we get through, uh, not through, but did we get, was there more to Jeffries than just the people not recognizing that they're going to die and whatnot? Everybody needs to realize this, right? You weren't born with a freaking guarantee, but we go through our lives like we were. If we're warriors, we know that every day, right? The life mastery side of this training is about mastering your life. How's my sense? even said it's everybody's. Every, it's everyone's responsibility to be rich. Yeah, how many egos just freaking, no, I'm not going to be one of those people, or whatever, right? But how do you, how do you engage bigger demons without resources? If you can come to grips with death, but you can't come to grips with money, what the fuck, right? Nothing's more final than one of them, right? But money's a tool. It's just a tool. Or it's a weapon. It's in the hands of the user. Who would win if they fought? A Taekwondo person or a Judo person? comes down to the technician. Everybody wants to pick, the eagle wants to pick the perfect martial art. Right? Because it wants to be invincible. It wants to be, uh, it wants to live forever. Okay? But the reality is, if the puncher kicker can keep that grappler from getting into range and getting inside the uh, effective range of his weapons or her weapons, he'll win. Probably. Okay? If the grappler can get inside those weapons, get into those tight zones, he'll win. Probably. But don't discount the human factor. Because once they both hit the ground, if they're both outside of their comfort zone, about both outside of their style and preference level, they're both likely to throw all that training to the wind and just go caveman style. And then all bets are off. Okay? Because you can't can't just all count technique either. You can be really, really good. Your foot slips on a muddy patch or something that's on the sidewalk or your shoe slips or whatever. Your ankle rolls and you die. Right? Or he comes in, you avoid perfectly, right? He comes in with that knife stab, you avoid perfectly, and he slips and his arms flare out in a moral response, and he slashes your gut open and your intestines slide out. Or you, he cuts your femoral artery. Dan the luck. Anyway. Huh? Some, that went from positive into gloomy. What the fuck? No, it's just real. It's just real. It's the reason why we should... Appreciate every one of our moments and every one of our days. Anyway, what else we got, James? See how much the audio-only people miss? Me doing a little Muppet dance. (laughs) He's a damn retard. Yeah, well, to some people. I'm entertaining to others. (laughs) What do we got? That was it for the questions. Dave's still having some issues. I'm working on it on this end, Dave. It looks 
On our end, it shows you should be good. But I'll look further into it for you here. Is this a technical, technical issue on the podcast, or is it a technical, technical no, issue? On the site. Not with the podcast, no. Oh, some people just... The site just doesn't like them. We should, we should just, you know, let the light, the, the, the technology, right? Everybody's all after all the bells and whistles of things. Look how easy this will make life. Yeah. yeah. Anything that makes your life easy also makes it easier to not pay attention. So anyway, uh, in that case, let's go ahead and wrap this up. Um, I did not get a chance to reset things or to double check to, to reset things uh, on the evergreen part of the foundations course, right? That uh, we uh, rolled the price back uh, for Black Friday or Cyber Monday, Cyber Monday, right? So I didn't get a chance to reset that. So uh, if you freaking hurry up, because uh, I've got to get some videos edited. Uh, if you're not in that program and want to be, you can do that uh, at a discount. And if you haven't gotten into the uh, mod two, the realm of the Warrior Tactician program and get a chance to bump the price up. And it was supposed to be bumped up at 5 p.m. So um, here we are five hours later. And um, oops. So but I will be resetting that. So if you still want to save 200 bucks and you want to get the other uh, things I put up as fast action bonuses. Right. Well, one of them is the $200 discount. Uh, there is a payment plan on that. Uh, great. Jump on that. Uh, if you have not already signed up for uh, Dicomiosai, why the hell not? Right. Uh, Victor's actually going to be in. He's doing two uh, breakout sessions for us, one on sword and one on Hanbo, I believe. Uh, and uh, Lee Davis is up from Georgia. He's the Woodlands Warrior uh, guy. He's got a cool program. He started down there and he's doing rope work, um, a little bit of Hojo Jutsu, just in case you like tying people up. Um, he's doing the knots for making the uh, making your own Kusari Fundo kind of thing he's doing some other stuff uh and then my guy jason whistler's doing something i don't know what yet and i think john Collins is doing something so uh and also at Sai, we are doing our yearly goma uh active goal ceremony that is uh it's borrowed from mikyo it's uh, mikyo goma is like there's seven levels to that but this is a um this is an approach where we use the goma uh, fire, it's an active meditation kind of thing to work the Mikio process and the San Mitsu to create a goal that the, the, the only caveat to it, it can be anything. And I say the bigger, the better, but you have, the goal has to be within the calendar year. So it has to be achievable no later than December 31st of 2024. Okay. That's a cool thing. Uh, I've had so many students that have gone through that and uh, like told me in cool places like, hey, you know, the thing we did the beginning of January at Daikomi Osai, um, here we are in September uh, on Togakushi Mountain, Togakure Mountain, going to the top shrine and the place where Daisuke Nishina uh, trained when he was a student before he was ever a grandmaster. Um, and that was my that was my goal on the Gomaki. I had no idea where the money was coming from, where the time off work was coming from, where anything was coming from. But I set that, put it in motion, and God damn it, it works. Here I am. Right? So, um, full stuff. 
So there's a virtual option, uh, and obviously there's the live option. Hopefully people can make it in. That'd be really great. Um, so uh, that's it. That's all I'm going to – that's all the shameless plugs I'm doing at the moment. All right. Anything else, James? Any, any last-minute things pop in? <clears throat> uh, just one from Jeffrey along the same lines of what Dave's got. So I got you, Jeffrey. I'm working on it. Well, fine. Now that we just use the podcast to uh, do technical support, uh, for those of you on the audio only, surprise. <laughs> All right, that's it. I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up, and uh, I'll talk to everybody again next time on Kuden. Get more of Kuden Radio. Subscribe through your favorite podcasting site, or join our clan of serious modern warriors at OnlineNinjaAcademy.com.